talking about that, uh, Durko yesterday confirmed that two South Africans were killed in the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Hamas fighters kidnapped at least 150 people and took them into Gaza during attacks on Israel, which started last weekend and has killed uh, 1,300 people, more than 1,300 people. More than 1,500 people have been killed in Gaza since Israel launched retaliatory airstrikes, which continue. For more on this, we're joined on the line from Israel by journalist Jonathan Swartz. Jonathan, thank you for your time with us this morning on SAFM. I understand you are on the line to us from just outside Tel Aviv. Give us a sense of, from your vantage point, what what you are seeing, what is happening on the ground. Good morning, Lisa. Good to be with you. Um, At the moment, let me start first with what you mentioned about the two South Africans, because we have a few few details about that. I cannot divulge, the, I have the names, but I, we cannot divulge them at this stage yes. until uh, the SABC has confirmed, received confirmation from the foreign ministry that the families in, in South Africa have been informed. So we cannot mention the names. However, I can say that one of the families emigrated is a South African Jewish family. They emigrated from uh, South Africa to Israel about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm more or less, and settled in one of the uh, kibbutzim in the area. And apparently, uh, someone in the family married with a non-Jewish family, an Afrikaner family, and converted converted to Judaism and came to live in Israel. Mm -hmm. And the mother-in-law of the daughter was here because her daughter was about to give birth and she was the other South African uh, who was killed. Mm-hmm. Do, we, do we know that the yeah, circumstances was... surrounding um, how they were killed, Jonathan? Where were they? Uh, do we have more details on that front? Yes, yes, they were in one of the kibbutzim. I don't know which kibbutz, but they seem to have been in one of the kibbutzim uh, that uh, that were that uh, were Moshavim, you know, you know, collective uh, uh, agricultural settlements mm-hmm. that uh, are located not far from the border with Gaza, and they were simply members. The the, the family that immigrated was a member of one of those communities. Mm-hmm. There are talks, um, Jonathan, about um, a, a ground invasion that, that, that would then um, that is expected, and uh, with, with talks of one million uh, people in in Gaza um, that, that have been ordered to since evacuate. The UN has has come out to say that that is almost impossible uh, to do. What do we know about about the planned um, the planned ground or possible ground invasion? Yes, the IDF has issued uh, recommendations to all the residents of the northern part of the Gaza Strip to evacuate to the southern part, which indicates that the uh, <clears throat> invasion will first be launched at northern Gaza, which is the part closest to the major cities of Israel. Uh, even last night at about 10 p.m., there was a barrage over Tel Aviv and Gush Dan, you know, the Dan area, which is Israel's biggest metropolitan area. Mm. There was a quite a large barrage uh, at about 10 p.m. last night, uh, aimed at Tel Aviv, Rishon Etzion, Ramat Gan, Herzliya, and all the the cities that uh, are Israel's main metrop- metropolitan center. And these come from the northern part of the Gaza Strip. So it seems clear that the army wants to uh, in- get that control that area first to stop the, the the to end the rocket barrages against the center of the country. 
uh, it was reported from Gaza that Hamas has tried to put up roadblocks and is, and uh, with orders to kill people trying to flee to the southern part of the Strip. They want human shields there. The Hamas clearly wants the, the civilian population to remain as human shields to try and inhibit uh, an Israeli attack. What exactly the situation on the ground is there, we cannot say. Some reports saying people are fleeing in any case. Uh, some reports are saying that some people who are trying to flee are, are remaining in northern Gaza. It's unclear. Mm. The IDF did confirm that uh, it did uh, launch a special ops uh, operation last night to try and locate uh, the captives. It gave no information as to any results of that operation, but the operation was launched that we do know. But also there's more tension up north. Hezbollah uh, fired rockets at Haifa last night, mm -hmm. which were intercepted. And uh, the IDF began shelling Hezbollah targets in South Lebanon. So we'll have to see how that, uh, if it's going to be an escalation up north as well. But there was uh, interception of, of, of uh, objects over the Haifa area. And as a result, the IDF uh, did attack Hezbollah targets in South Lebanon. Mm -hmm. uh, just to f finally, Jonathan, on just the w when we when we compare the the numbers, um, the the strength really of of IDF, um, the strength of the Israeli army uh, reservists as well, compared to um, the the strength of, of Hamas. I mean, the, the numbers don't match at all. Uh, give us a sense no. of, of of how 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 big really a force are we talking here from Israel. Israel has, mobile, Israel has issued authorization to mobilize up to 300,000 troops. Um, that's almost the entire army. The entire army is about 350,000. So far, not all the 300,000 have been actually uh, called up. I'd say at the moment, I think about 100, maybe 150,000 have actually been called up. Mm. Um, but add, add to that the regular uh, national servicemen, Israel's fielding a force at the moment of close to 200,000 uh, troops. Uh, Hamas, I doubt if Hamas has more than uh, 20. Hamas's forces maybe are 10% of that. But however, when you're talking about uh, urban fighting, the numbers are uh, matter less. Uh, military history is full of examples of how much smaller forces uh, could inflict significant damage yeah. and, 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 and inflict huge delays on much larger forces fighting heavily built-up urban terrain. Mm. And there's nothing Hamas would like more than to draw the IDF into that kind of bloody urban, urban battles, battle uh, scenario where they're fighting behind every in from tunnels that they've dug underneath and uh, every wall and 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 sometimes destroyed buildings are better for defense purpose think of stalingrad the more the germans bombed the easier it was for the for the small russian force initially to defend it because rubble makes a good barricade mm. so even though the yeah. numbers are are certainly in israel's favor as overall capabilities, etc., etc., no army wants to fight uh, in the heavily built-up uh, urban terrain mm -hmm. because uh, it's 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 every soldier's and commander's nightmare. 
Jonathan Swartz, let me thank you for your time with us this morning. I'm a journalist who is joining us on the line from Tel Aviv in Israel. Get ready for an adventure of a lifetime with SABC TV License's Ultimate Competition. Feel the pulse-pounding excitement of a Bundesliga match live on an all-expenses-paid journey you'll never forget. Or embrace the rhythm of your dreams at the Coachella Music Festival. The choice is yours. A football fan's paradise or a music lover's haven. Simply pay your TV license, then head to www.winnerholiday with sabctblicenses.co.za for a chance to win big. And don't forget, there are incredible weekly prizes up for grabs too. TV licenses, pay yours, make a difference. We know from COVID that healthy bodies cope with illness better. Getting screened and tested for TB is free. If you have a cough that won't go away, chills or night sweats, then get a free screening with TB Check. For more info, call the National Health Hotline on 0800-029-999. That's 0800-029-999. The new Hollywood Best Super League trophy will be revealed at the Lucas Moripe Stadium when champions Mamilodi Sandals face JVWFC in a top-of-the-table clash on Saturday the 14th of October 2023 at 3pm. Come in your colors to support your team. Entry is free. There will be entertainment and prizes to be won for fans. For more details, visit www.safa.net and at HollywoodBetsSL on eggs. on SAFM. 15 minutes to the top of the hour. Let's now have a conversation with uh, Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman, who joins us now on the line. Uh, we're talking aid. We're talking the possibility of humanitarian corridors, as dozens of Palestinians have reportedly been killed um, in Israeli air raids while trying to flee the northern Gaza Strip. This was after the Israeli uh, military ordered that more than one million residents um, evacuate in a demand which has since been rejected by the United Nations as nearly impossible. How do you get out uh, one million people in such um, a densely populated area. This, of course, we know um, has had and will continue to have devastating humanitarian consequences. Dr. Suleiman, thank you very much for your time with us uh, this morning. Perhaps uh, give us a sense of, of, of the picture that, that you have. We're all watching very closely reports of what's, of what's happening, what's coming from, from the ground. We understand that it's very difficult uh, one, to get people out, but also for those who still remain on able to get out to get aid and all sorts of supplies to them. Good morning, Sibenzile. I take what comes from my staff. We have permanent presence in Gaza. We've been there since 2014. The, the, the part that's not covered so well in the media is the emotional and psychological trauma that people are going through. Mm-hmm. My team members, for a start, they're not afraid to die. But as usual, everybody cares about their family. You know, we tell them, can you move them to a safe place? And they ask, what is a safe place? There's no such thing as a safe place in Gaza. I mean, it's just the, the ludicrous, ludicrous suggestion by Israeli military to move 1.1 million people in a matter of 24 hours when there's not enough cars and there's not enough fuel. There's not enough places to stay. Where are they going to stay? There's not, 48 schools have been bombed. They've hit 15 hospitals, four are totally dysfunctional. They've knocked out 23 ambulances. We need to understand that it's not accident. Mm-hmm. This is direct targeting, which is very different. 1,900 people, uh, people have been killed. It's not a few dozens. 
of which 600 are children and 500 are women. This is 8,000 people in hospital. That's what's supposed to be there, but they can't fit because all the hospitals are totally full. And so the, and you ask me the question, you know, what's the picture? They said it's, the, it's a genocide, it's a massacre, it's the worst we've ever gone through. We can't move to the streets. Yes, we know we have to deliver aid to the people. Mm. It's not easy. We can't move around. We try our best. If you have vehicles moving in the street, they get directly bombed. But in spite of that, they've managed to take medical supplies to several hospitals across the north, from so- north to the south. They've managed to take, uh, go to shops and give ordinary people in the streets food vouchers. We there because we're there for nine years. We have a relationship with wholesalers, you know, yeah. shops, and we, we pay them when necessary, and they don't have a problem with that. They managed to provide wheelchairs. They provide. They, managed to take some food food and medical items to people in their homes. We managed to support the UN refugee camps, but food, of course, not all of them. The one thing is to access supplies quickly, secondly, to move, and thirdly, to, to get around with the bombing. It's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. We don't have medical teams there, unfortunately. You know, the people we have are not medical personnel, so they can't contribute much in terms of direct health care in the hospitals. But under the circumstances, oh, we've got three desalination plants. They can provide water to the point until there's fuel. When there's no fuel, the plants shut down. Sure. With, you know, nothing suggests at this point that uh, the, the ground invasion will, in fact, not happen. Uh, but by Really, by, by all measures, it seems as though that will continue. What sort of uh, contingency plans are there should that happen? Um, and and the sort of force that is expected there, um, are, are, are your team able to move elsewhere, if if at all? What will that mean um, for the people they're looking to help, and of course the team who are doing the work? Look, in this kind of situation, uh, people will will move from one building to another building. You know, it's 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 what always happens. The place is too small. You know, there's is, there's no exit route. There's, all the borders are closed. They can't get out. So you basically move from area to area, hoping that nothing happens, or you know, go towards you see what's safe area. There is no safe area. The reality is, I've actually prepared my staff and told them, you need to bring in additional manpower from different parts of the city, the reality is that you can die. I had to be blunt. You know, unfortunately, I'm a very blunt guy. And I told him that, look, the reality is that you guys can die. And you know that we need contingency plans. And mm-hmm. they said, look, we've networked with several organizations or, or somebody will survive, you know, and we'll carry on with what we have to do. And because we have a relationship with people for such a long time, we have that network of different organizations because you have to, you can't ex- support only one part of Gaza. It has to go from the north right to the Rafah border. So from the Israeli border right to the Egyptian border. And we've done that over the years. And you know, we've, we've got multiple projects in the area. So it's not like something new to us. It's a network. But the reality is that I may lose some of my team members. Mm. It seems as though we're all just watching an imminent genocide. In fact, uh, you know, some may argue it's already started, that the global response as well, or a response from, from, from some of the global community has in fact not assisted. If anything, it's, it's really just fueled this situation already. Uh, what do you make of that? What do you hear of, of the, the sentiments that have come from, from the likes of, um, of the U.S.? What are you hearing from, from other powerful nations? Well, it's, it's not something new. You know, it's, it's always been there. The, the, the U.S. has been blind in its support of Israel. It always been. What do you expect? They bomb innocent people in, in uh, Iraq. Madeleine Albright, the Secretary of State, said it was worthwhile for 500,000 children to die without bug powder. That's the mentality of the government. What do you expect? 
where they, they blocked cancer drugs to reach uh, Iraq. They made sure that when they gave cancer drugs, you need them in, in, in combination. They supplied two and not the third one, creating the impression they're very humane in their approach. They've bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They've bombed Vietnam and Korea. What do you expect from a government like that? That it's one-sided, totally bombed Afghanistan. And, you know, they specialize in bombing innocent people. They say they got pinpoint weapons, pinpoint weapons that direct civilians. That's what they do. So that's nothing that's unexpected. It's not something that all of us unexpected, did, did not expect. That's the one side. On the other side, of course, we have the Arab governments that are completely complicit. Who you know from from an Islamic point of view, they're supposed to help when it's injustice, oppression, suffering, and torture. They don't do that. You know, they've also failed completely from a religious point of view and humanitarian point of view, because they were really true to the religious word that where they claim to be. Those borders would have been open already. They would have put in, you know, the, the, the boycotts, or they would have cut economic supplies to to Israel, and and then it was impossible to help civilians, which they have not done. Mm-hmm. We'll have to leave it there this morning. Chairperson and founder of The Gift of the Givers, Dr. Imtiaz Suleiman, on the line. What would it be like if you swapped homes and families with someone else? What would you learn about how other people live or how they raise their children? Could the experience even change your life? S3 is looking for families to take part in the exciting social experiment, Wife Swap. In this fun and informative series, wives from very different families agree to swap homes to enter. Visit www.wifeswap.co.za.